I've always enjoyed superhero movies. Um, you know, going home for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, you get to see old friends and family and look at old pictures and start thinking a lot about my childhood. And I've always, I've always enjoyed, I mean, some of my first movies I remember as a child watching were those Superman movies with Christopher Reeves. And I used to love Spider-Man as a kid. And I've all, I've always enjoyed, enjoyed those superhero stories, those superhero movies. I, I didn't really get to the comic books, but I, but I've always, I've always enjoyed, enjoyed those stories. You know, I love Star Wars. I'm looking forward to the movie coming out next 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 month, and it's going to be an origin story and talk about how some things happen. And I've always I've always loved loved those stories. Um, but one of the things with all the all the the superhero stories is there's always a story of origin. You know, that's always a central theme within all the superhero <laughs> movies. You know, we got to see Peter Parker getting bitten by the radioactive spider becoming Spider-Man. We got to see how Superman came from a far off planet to Earth to become Superman. We got to see what all happened to Bruce Wayne so that he could become Batman. By, by the way, I, I do stand by this. I think Batman's a documentary because I think Batman could actually happen. I stand by that. You know, me and Tim could be Batman and Robin. You'd never know. You'd never know. It could happen. Maybe. Another Christmas miracle. But I, lo- I, lo- I love within the superhero stories that, 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 that story of origin. How did this happen? How did they get here? What happened in their life to get them to this point where this happened? Stories of origin to me are always really interesting stories and are very formative in our lives. For instance, one of the things I tell couples when I do premarital counseling with them is one of the, one of the primary places couples are going to fight over is over family. And what I mean by this, you see it during Thanksgiving. The way you grew up, your family of origin determines so much about how you, how, how you view how things should be done. What do you mean you don't eat cranberry sauce with your dressing? Everyone does that. Actually, we never do that, did that, so I don't know. Um, but in, in your mind right now, you have an image of what Thanksgiving should look like, don't you? Probably was the image you grew up with. And conflict happens... When your image of what it looks like is different from your spouse's image of what it should look like. And most times, the image of what these things should look like come from how we were raised. Come from our family of origin. These things are so significant, so significant within our lives. I, 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 I love, I love these things. Um, the Bible is full of stories. I love the stories of Scripture. You know, we, we, may, we may struggle sometimes figuring out, what in the world is Paul talking about when he says that? Or what in the world does Revelation mean? Or what is this thing? We struggle sometimes with these great mysteries of the Bible. But we all understand that God gave a young child named David the courage to face down his Goliath. We all understand 
that God is a God of salvation. And he saved Noah and the animals on the ark. We all understand how God is a God of a plan. And he called Abraham. If Abraham would just believe by faith, great things would happen. So we may struggle sometimes with the complicated things of the Bible, but we understand the stories, don't we? That's why we teach them to our children. And that's why they provide comfort for us now, because they're true. C.S. Lewis once said that Christianity is a story. He said it's fiction that is true. It's story that is true. He said it's myth. That is reality. Not myth in terms of being pretend, but an overarching story that is not just a story, but is historical fact. That yes, the story of these Old Testament saints has much to speak to our hearts, but there's historic truth behind them that don't just make them true theologically, but true historically. Lewis was one, one of Lewis's big, big, big theories of his writing. Probably the major two stories of Scripture are Christmas and Easter. Because those are the two dominant things of our faith. That we, have, we serve a God who loves us enough that he gave us his son. But this son had to come to die for our sins and be resurrected. And those two things, Christmas and Easter, Christmas and Easter are beautiful stories. Beautiful truths. Beautiful facts that paint to us the power and beauty of our God. I like, you know, we see an advent, we see purple everywhere. You know, some churches will use blue as, as the color of advent. But uh, we use purple because that's also the color of Lent. And some people say, well, we have different colors. I like that, that there's a tying together of advent and Lent. Because the, the Christ child that was born... On Christmas morning, the babe born in Bethlehem grew up to be the Savior of the world who died upon the cross for our sins. He was resurrected on Easter Sunday morning for our salvation. These two things are so intricately tied together. Today, we read our story of origin. Though. We read why it had to happen. Uh, when I was in Ripley, uh, the church there had uh, two Christmas services, and they, but they weren't close together. They were uh, one about 5 o'clock or so. Then we had an 11 o'clock service. And so my Christmas Eve at Ripley was kind of, was kind of more back-ended. Like I was busier later in the day than I was earlier. So sometimes during, I usually get to the office early and kind of piddle around and listen to music. And, and, and one of the, I fell in love during that season with something that is on my bucket list to do one day. I began listening to public radio to lessons and carols. I, I broadcast by the BBC out, out, of, out of, I think, it's out, I think it's out of Westminster, but don't, don't quote me to that. Um, and it, it's basically, it's a historic, beautiful service of what it says it is. It's lessons and carols. It's carols, Christmas carols on that day, but scriptural lessons that talk about Christmas. And so you think lessons and carols. Wow. It's all the stories of the birth of Christ. But no, here's the interesting thing about lessons and carols. It isn't just the stories 
of Jesus' birth that we associate with Luke 2, the lessons and carols goes back to why. It goes all the way back to where we started here today in Genesis 3. In fact, Genesis 3 is typically one of the first readings in lessons and carols because Genesis 3 tells us why Christmas had to happen. Genesis 3 paints for us the picture of why Christ had to come, of why Christ had to be born, of why Christ had to die, and why Christ had to be resurrected. Genesis 3 is our story of origin. Genesis 3 is the story that makes it all make sense. And so what we see in here is this. We see God tell Adam and Eve, hey, don't eat that. And then what's the first thing they do? They eat it. Okay, y'all, don't think of a pink elephant. What was the very first thing you just did? Thought of a pink elephant. You know, it's like the, it's like the old story. The guy goes to the doctor and says, doctor, it hurts when I do this. The doctor says, well, don't do that. God says, don't eat that. And the very first thing they did was they fell into temptation and they disobeyed what God said to do. God said, don't do it. And they did it immediately. And then we see within this text, we see within, within this, there are consequences. So he gives consequences to Adam. He gives consequences to Eve. He gives consequences to the serpent. We see that the effect of the sin that they had had major consequences upon Adam and Eve, upon creation. God says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you, because of your sin, that you're going to have to sweat and labor now for this food. Everything is going to have consequences because of your actions. We see in that moment another overarching concept of Scripture. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. One of the overarching stories of Scripture is captivity. We see it in Exodus where the Israelites are captive slaves to Egypt that God frees. They get loose. They get to the promised land. Things are going well. And then the book of Judges happens. You have a period of captivity and slavery. Captivity and slavery. Captivity and slavery. Freedom. Captivity. Slavery. Then we see after Solomon, the kingdom split. And the northern kingdom is attacked by Syria. And they're taken into captivity. The southern kingdom is attacked by Babylon. And they're taken into captivity. And they're then released Come back to Jerusalem. And they are captive to Greece. Then they are captive to Rome. And one of the overarching stories in the scripture is that the people of God so many times are held captive by their enemies. Held captive by their rulers. Held captive by the evil ones. And so we see, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. A story of the people of God longing for freedom. Almost from the time the Bible started, the people of God are longing for freedom. But what we see in Genesis 3 is that the freedom they long for is more than just earthly freedom. But it's spiritual freedom. Because we too are often held captive. Maybe not politically. As Paul put it, very things I should not do, the very things I do. The very things I should do are the very things that I do not do. 
Lewis says, C.S. Lewis says, no man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. It was Chesterton. I, never, I, don't, I don't know if it was G.K. Chesterton or, or, or St. Francis that said, original sin is the only provable doctrine because we teach our children to behave. We do not teach them to be bad. We, we got the being bad thing down pretty pat, don't we? We know how to get in trouble. We always have. Since the garden, we've known how to get in trouble. That's our story of origin. That's where it all started. But see, here's the power of God. We see it in this text. Because when you read, when you read what it says here, it says it in, in, verse, in, in 3 verse 15 where it says, this is God cursing the serpent. And I'll put the enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike at his heel. That is in the worst moment of failure in human history. That is in the moment that changes everything. Probably outside the cross and the resurrection, the moment that is most cosmic changing. In that moment, God says to the serpent, by the way, FYI, this is very important. If you don't remember anything I ever tell you for as long as you know me, remember this. If a snake comes up to you and starts talking, run. Because <laughs> nothing good's going to happen after that. Always run from talking snakes. So God tells the serpent, the serpent being the devil here, he says, I'm going to put an enmity between your offspring and his, hers. You're going to strike his heel. He's going to crush your head. Do any of y'all remember the movie? That, I think this is most beautifully seen in the movie The Passion. I don't know if you y'all remember the movie The Passion. In that scene where it starts, Jesus is in the garden praying. And the Satan figure comes by, and a snake crawls off underneath him. And goes up to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He crushes the head of that snake. See, in the fall, humanity fell and took all of us with us, with it, and we still struggle with this. But in this, God right here says right there in verse 15, even though you've fallen, even though you messed up, even though you've blown it, one of your offspring one day, humanity, is going to crush the head of Satan. One day, someone's going to come that's going to destroy the power of the one that tripped you up here. One day, I will send someone who will free you from (laughs) captivity. One day, your chains will be broken. And I don't just mean earthly chains. I mean spiritual chains. One day, your chains will be gone. And I don't just mean the chains of this world. I mean the chains on your heart. Because all of us this morning may be free in the eyes of the world, but are we free in our hearts? How many right now are held captive by old mistakes? How many of us now are held captive by old fears? How many of us are held captive by old doubts? How many of us are held captive by the things that we struggle with right now? But what I'm telling you is that that's the story of humanity. We've always been held captive by sin. We've always struggled with these things. We've always battled it. From Genesis to Revelation, we've always battled it. But we see here in this verse that Jesus Christ came to set the prisoner free. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the vilest clean. His blood avails for me. That's the story of our faith. 
O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. We, he came to set us free. And through Christ Jesus, you can be free from the chains that bind you. You can be free from the mistakes that crush you. You can be free from the power of evil. You can be free from your own temptations. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Advent is a season of hope. You don't have to stay in chains. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. You don't have to stay in chains. The one who was to come at Christmas, Emmanuel, he has come to crush the head of the serpent. He comes to us on Christmas morning, and our hearts long for that. On Good Friday, the serpent struck his heel. But on Easter, he crushed the head of the serpent. Through Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. Through Christ Jesus, your chains have been broken. Through Christ Jesus, you are no longer held captive. Today, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how heavy the chains may seem, no matter how dark the prison may look, no matter how bleak the situation may be, through Christ Jesus, your chains have been released. Through Christ Jesus, the captive has been set free. You are bound no longer. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. He has come to set the captive free. May we be in chains no longer. Let us pray.